We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Easy parking with Easy Trip. Now available at Dundrum Town Center. So you can now use your toll tags to park in our car parks. Simply register at easytrip.ie forward slash parking. Easy parking with Easy Trip. Dundrum, where more happens. You are listening to Rotoviz Radio, a fantasy football podcast with your host, Matthew Friedman. Hey everyone, I'm Matt Friedman, Matt F. the Oracle of the Action Network and Rotoviz. Welcome to a special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Today we are talking about the Oakland Raiders. In between the NFL Combine and the draft, I am interviewing beat reporters for every franchise, 30 beat writers, and 32 episodes. We are covering team needs, free agency, draft rumors, basically everything between now and day one of the draft. For this episode, I am joined by Matt Schneidman of the Mercury News and Bay Area News Group, where in this episode he talks with us about the team's many needs on the defensive side of the ball, what the Raiders might do in the first few rounds of the draft, and the expectations for Derek Carr in 2018. Before we get to the guest, I'd like to remind you that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the premium NFL content on the site, and it supports the pod. All right, let's get to the guest.
please welcome to the show Matt Schneidman of the Mercury News and Bay Area News Group. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt Schneidman, where he provides up-to-the-minute news on anything and everything to do with the Oakland Raiders. Matt, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great. Let's uh, let's jump into it. You recently highlighted five questions regarding the Oakland Raiders as they head uh, into the combine and then free agency after that. Do you mind summarizing Oakland's biggest needs? Yeah, well, I think from a personnel standpoint, they, they have a need pretty much everywhere on the defensive side of the ball. You look at the cornerback position, it was probably their worst group last year. Uh, they have Gary on Conley, their 2017 first-round pick, who only played two games last year because of a shin injury, spent most of the year on IR. He'll be back healthy, so they're probably counting on him uh, to be one of the starters. And then they've got to find another starting cornerback. Sean Smith, I don't think, is going to be the guy who played well toward the end of last season, but he's going to cost too much to to be to keep on the roster over eight million for for the skill he brings. So I think they're going to find a corner in the draft or free agency to start there. Um, opposite Conley, linebacking court certainly looks like uh, a linebacker is a possibility at number ten there in the draft. Um, either to be Navarro Bowman's understudy for a year or replace Corey James in the starting lineup because I do think Bruce Irving comes back. And then of course they need a pass rusher. Um, ideally a defensive end to play opposite Khalil Mack because the Raiders uh, were near the league low in in sack totals last year, uh, also near the league low in quarterback pressures. New defensive coordinator Paul Gunther said, you know, it's not all about sacks. It's not all about the sack numbers. If you're getting to the quarterback, that's what matters. The Raiders weren't. So they need guys who can rush the quarterback, guys who can play in that second level of defense, and guys who can intercept passes because, as we know, they did not do well in that category last year. So pretty much every category on defense is what the Raiders should be concerned about heading into uh, free agency, which starts today. Well, and you mentioned all of these needs heading into free agency. One issue is that it, at least it doesn't seem right now that the Raiders have a lot of cap room. Uh, how do you expect them to negotiate that during free agency? Yeah, I think it's possible. We see a couple of veterans. Uh, I mentioned Sean Smith possibly Bruce Irvin. We'll see about Michael Crabtree. Veterans who don't have, uh, if they're released, they don't have any dead money against the cap on their deal if they're released. So we could see that happen. You know, I would expect to see that with Sean Smith if I had to take a guess. Because um, like I said, he's owed over $8 million with no dead money against the cap if he's released. Or maybe a guy like Bruce Irvin takes less money for a deal uh, so I think that's where they go with that is maybe renegotiating or releasing some of those veterans who aren't crucial and, and also whose contracts are set up in a way that if they're released wouldn't hurt the Raiders too much. You mentioned there Michael Crabtree, uh, another aging veteran is Marshawn Lynch. Those two guys were crucial last year to uh, what the Raiders wanted to do. Uh, what do you think their situation is going to be in 2018? Will they be with the Raiders? I think both will be. Um, we've heard reports both ways for both guys. Uh, talking to John Gruden at the Combine when I was in Indianapolis, he certainly seems like he wants both guys on the team. He listed off about, I think it was five guys. He said, this is why I'm coming to Coach Raiders because I'm looking for, really looking forward to coaching these guys. It was Derek Carr, Khalil Mack, uh, Michael Crabtree, Marshawn Lynch, Amari Cooper. So I really think uh, John Gruden wants Michael Crabtree and Marshawn Lynch on the team. That's also a different statement then they will be on the team because the price has to be right um 
the skill has to be there. It has to match the, the productivity level. And could the Raiders do better than Michael Crabtree? Yes. Could they do better than Marshawn Lynch? Yes. But you have to remember, uh, Michael Crabtree is a pretty good red zone receiver, and also Marshawn Lynch was one of the best running backs in the league in the second half of the season. So I think both are back. Uh, we'll see if it's at a different price than what they have right now, but I do think both play for the Raiders next year. With Marshawn Lynch, it seems as if so much has to do with desire. Uh, does he want to be with the team? How committed is he to being in shape and playing? What are your thoughts about maybe his mindset entering this season? Yeah, I think he, he's fully committed to being part of the team. You know, there have been reports out there that meetings between him and Gruden have gone well. I don't think his attitude or, or his willingness to adopt another coach's style is is uh, a problem. I think that's being blown out of proportion a little bit and how his personality may mesh with Gruden. I think they'll work great together. Is he a feature back? You know, I don't know. Do they want a guy who catches more out of the backfield? I don't know. But from a off-the-field standpoint, a personality standpoint, you know, this is Marshall Lynch's home in Oakland. Does he retire after this year? You know, I don't know. But uh, I think if he were to finish his career anywhere, I think it would he would want to do it home in Oakland. Can you talk a little bit about the running backs uh, on the depth chart underneath Marshawn Lynch, you have DeAndre Washington, Jalen Richard, both of them, uh, I guess going into their third seasons, uh, have had, you know, some, uh, some bouts of inconsistency, but some of those guys have also been productive at times. If Marshawn Lynch, uh, didn't return, how do you think that backfield split would break down? Uh, do you think they would bring in someone else? What are your thoughts there? I think they would bring in someone else. Um, those guys, while nice and explosive, they just don't get it done enough. I mean, you look at their lines last year. DeAndre Washington had two rushing touchdowns, one receiving touchdown. Uh, nice near the goal line, Jalen Richard had some real issues. I know on punt return, obviously not running the ball, but he only had two total touchdowns. You need a guy who can sp- – and especially, I should say this, Lynch isn't going to play a full four quarters or, you know, we saw him take full quarter breaks this year just because he's fatigued. He's getting up there in age. So the Raiders need a guy who's almost like a primary running back to fill in when Lynch steps out because of how much he's going to be out, assuming it's the same level as he was last year. And Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington just aren't those guys. They're nice in spurts here and there. They're explosive. They're better than Lynch at catching the ball out of the backfield. But uh, even for backup running backs, especially, for when Lynch is your starter, I don't think they're good enough. So I think the Raiders do look elsewhere. So the reason why I ask about uh, the backup running backs is that at the combine, John Gruden had mentioned the desire to uh, kind of turn back the offense or, or turn back the team to, uh, I think 1998 was the year that he mentioned it. That would suggest maybe more of a run focused approach. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on uh, Gruden's perspective in terms of the offense and what he had to say? Well, Gruden's comments on turning back to 1998 weren't about uh, anything really on the field. It was more um, analytics-based. And someone asked him about analytics and data, and that's what he was referencing with the 1998, not anything to do with the run game. But uh, I think in terms of bringing the game back to 1998, he still has uh, some old school in him. Um, so I think that that's really just that it, what that is and, and all the numbers and data available. He's not totally against it, but uh, he'll be selective in choosing which analytics and advanced statistics, I guess, uh, he'll use at his disposal. As for the run game, that was a different 
uh, answer to a question about the importance of fullbacks on the team. And he really believes in the importance of uh, a fullback and a blocking tight end and helping the run game and helping Marshawn Lynch. So those are two separate thoughts, but both uh, notable things what Gruden said over in Indy. Well, you mentioned there uh, the, the importance of the tight end position. Um, what do you think this team is looking to do with the tight end position? So Jared Cook is there, uh, but he is older, and he's not so much of a, a blocking presence. Uh, any thoughts on uh, potential potential tight end candidates? I think they're fine with the ones they have. I mean, Jared Cook's a good receiver. He He's almost like a, a downfield receiver. He lined up on the outside in the slot for the Raiders this year, made some really big plays, obviously uh, didn't have as good of performances toward the end of the season, but he had some incredible plays, whether that be uh, in the Chiefs game or, you know, his touchdown against Washington, the Raiders only score in that game. Um, and I think they like Lee Smith, too. Lee Smith is hitting on restricted free agency, but he's that blocking tight end that Gruden wants. Uh, so I think the Raiders are are all set at tight end. They have a good combo there with Cook as the receiver and Smith more as a blocker, although uh, he can catch, but I think Smith is that perfect blocking tight end Gruden was talking about. So you mentioned earlier um... – the, uh, the the potential need for linebackers and that the team might go for a linebacker in the first round. Are there any guys in particular, any rookies in particular that you've had your eye on and you look at them and you think, well, this guy would fit really well what it is that the Raiders want to do? Uh, well, the two guys everyone's talking about are Tremaine Edmonds, the uh, linebacker from Virginia Tech, and Roquan Smith, the linebacker from Georgia. Um, I, I think... Roquan Smith is probably the guy more likely there at 10. I think Edmonds is ranked a little bit higher. I think he's a little bit better. But um, if they do draft Smith, like most um, like most mocks are suggesting, I guess, for whatever that's worth, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Navarro Bowman, who's also entering unrestricted free agency. Do they have Smith study under Bowman at middle linebacker for a year before letting him take over the reins? Do they uh, – put Smith into the starting lineup immediately in place of a Corey James, maybe, uh, then what do they do with Bruce Irvin if they keep Bruce Irvin? So it'll be interesting to see um, if they actually do go linebacker there. You know, we saw Smith play really, really well uh, in the postseason for Georgia in the national championship game. He is a sideline to sideline heat seeking missile. Uh, so uh, I think I like Smith a little bit more, but we'll see what the Raiders do. So uh, as you mentioned earlier, there are other positions of need on the defensive side of the ball, pass rusher, cornerback. As we're recording this, Sean Smith was released. Um, if the Raiders do not go with a linebacker in the first round, are there other defensive players you think would work well with their system? Yeah, well, I, I think cornerback is obviously a big need. So uh, Denzel Ward, uh, one of Gary on Conley's good friends from Ohio State, could be an option. Josh Jackson, the cornerback from Iowa, could be an option. You know, Vita Vea is the defensive tackle from Washington. A mammoth of a human would be really good in stopping the run, but the Raiders just re-signed Justin Ellis, and we'll see what they do with Danico Autry and obviously Eddie Vanderdose, the starter, coming off ACL surgery. So we'll see uh, if the Raiders want to go defensive line. I don't think they'll go Vita Vea in the first round. That would be the one guy I, I would think they would take if they were looking for that position. But I think it's more likely they go uh, linebacker or cornerback. And then I wouldn't even be surprised if they went offensive tackle because John Gruden uh, singled out Marshall Newhouse a couple times at the Combine for his lackluster play last season. 
uh, the right side of the offensive line is clearly the weak point. So it's even possible the Raiders go tackle at number 10. So I wouldn't even restrict it to defense necessarily. Interesting. So if, I mean, 10, it's a premium pick. Um, some people are, are kind of torn on the, the offensive tackle talent in the class. Is there a particular player at 10 that you think uh, would fit well with the team? Um, Mike McGlinchey is a guy, the, the tackle from Notre Dame. He'll, he, it's possible he's gone by that point, but it's also possible the Raiders don't want to reach for him because they have more pressing needs. Look, I, I don't think they'll take a tackle at number 10 because I think they have more pressing needs, but I wouldn't be surprised if they took one uh, in Orlando Brown, who was uh, Oklahoma's left tackle. Maybe he slides down to the second round because of his performance at the Combine. He was a projected first-round pick, but if he slides down, the Raiders could grab him in the second round there. Uh, So I don't think they take a tackle in the first round. Would I be shocked? No, but I think they have some more pressing needs uh, than the offensive line, and I think that's why they'll go either linebacker or cornerback there at number 10. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Thinking about the wide receiver group a little bit more, um, if Crabtree stays, that's one thing. But if Crabtree perhaps leaves, uh, do you think that, one, uh, how would Seth Roberts uh, kind of function within the offense? And do you think that they would be looking to bring someone else in as the, the third receiver? I wouldn't be surprised if they push for another guy. I mean, I don't think Michael Crabtree is all that great. He's a good red zone threat, but um, Amari Cooper is going to be the focal point of this offense. John Gruden said that. Uh, Seth Roberts, you know, he's nice as a, as a third receiver, but the Raiders are going to want more. He had his fair share of drops, a couple blunders. You remember when they played the Patriots, he was kind of on the three-yard line and stuck the ball out and fumbled it. That really changed the game there. So Seth Roberts, I think the Raiders could upgrade. He's not going anywhere, but as you said with Michael Crabtree, there have been reports, you know, the Raiders have him in their plans, but then again, those plans could change if Michael Crabtree wants to get paid more than what the Raiders are willing to give. And if they don't bring him back, I certainly could see the Raiders making move in free agency for, you know, a Paul Richardson, per se, from the Seahawks, who might not come uh, at at as much of a price as, you know, an Allen Robinson or Sammy Watkins, a couple other guys who are on the market. So I, I think the Raiders would more more likely go for a receiver in free agency than the draft if they need one, if they want to go after one, but you never know. Uh, think about John Gruden. He's been away, uh, I mean, not entirely away from the game, but away from coaching for over a decade. What are some of your thoughts for how he will – function as a decision maker within the organization and then as someone who will guide um, 
the the direction of the offense. Well, John Gruden said this at the combine. You know, people are making too much of him being away from coaching, at least being off the field for the past nine years or whatever it is. You know, he hasn't forgotten the terminology. He hasn't forgotten what a screen looks like. I think is the exact word he or, or the exact term he used. But you know, I think he'll work well with Derek Carr. A lot of people have made a big deal out of can Derek Carr and John Gruden mesh in this offense and their personalities. I think they'll be totally fine. I think. You know, we don't know exactly if his scheme has changed or what, what he wants to do with this offense. It would be silly of anyone to divulge those details, but I think he'll be really good for the Raiders offense. Kind of He's met all the coaches. He's done the QB camp. So it's not like he's been in the dark. He's been heavily involved in the game, and, and he still has that uh, ability to, to run an offense. All right, Matt, this has been a lot of fun. One final question here, uh, specifically about uh, Derek Carr. What do you think the expectations are for him entering this season? And what, I guess, what kind of version of him do you think that we are going to see? I think a much improved one. Um, and even if it was still Jack Del Rio's coach, I think we'd see a much improved one because, uh, you know, nobody admitted it last year, but John Gruden has touched on it multiple times and Derek has as well. You know, his back injury that he suffered against Denver in week four, he suffered three fractures in his back and, it takes two to six weeks to heal one. And he returned after one game with three. So I really think that limited him uh, in whatever way later on in the season. Um, I think his receivers' drops obviously hurt him. So this team is built around Derek Carr. Uh, every team is built around its quarterback. And I think with a combination of John Gruden uh, calling the plays, not that Todd Downing was awful, but John Gruden is an upgrade from Todd Downing. With John Gruden calling the plays, with a healthy Derek Carr, and with a renewed sense of you know energy around the team, however cliche that is, I really think uh, he's due to return to uh, his Pro Bowl status of two years ago, and I would expect that. All right, Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us, and we hope to uh, get another opportunity to speak with you as we get closer to the season. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much for having me. We just finished speaking with Matt Schneidman, a Raiders beat writer for the Mercury News and Bay Area News Group. We covered a lot. Here are some of the thoughts uh, that I have on what we talked about. To start with, uh, he highlighted the many needs on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, so he recently wrote an article highlighting uh, what the Raiders needed to do. And really, it was just a, a list of basically every <laughs> every defensive position. Um you know, they need some help on the interior of the defensive line. They need some pass rushers. Uh, they need some help with the linebacking group. Uh, they need some cornerback help, and they need help at safeties. Um, Ian Harditz, uh, one of the guys at Fantasy Labs, he's doing a team needs piece uh, for all 32 teams. Uh, the piece he did for the Raiders, uh, he looks at the top needs, defensive line, and secondary. Uh, that's basically everything. Um there is so much that is wrong with the the Raiders defensively, uh, which is especially horrible given that uh, for the last few years their head coach has been a defensive-minded head coach. But there's so much that's wrong with them uh, in their cap position. It's not horrible, uh, but it's not advantageous to acquiring through free agency a lot of talent. Um, that there's really no way uh, to fix this except going through the draft and gradually cutting away uh, veterans who are overvalued 
and uh, trying to replace them with a lot of young talent. Just to, uh, to, to put some context on top of this, last year, the Raiders uh, were dead last in the league uh, in terms of defensively allowing opponents to score. Uh, opponents scored on 40.9% of their drives. Again, worse in the league. Um, that's bad enough. But on top of that, they were second to last in turnover percentage. So not only were they allowing teams to score basically at will, uh, they weren't getting any turnovers. Uh, and those two things are, are a little bit correlated, but not really. They're, I mean, conceivably, there are teams that could be kind of on the defensive side of the ball, very boom or bust, in that uh, either they make big plays and they create turnovers and they, they get uh, some great stops, uh, or they just allow teams to score on them really easily. For uh, the Raiders, <laughs> there was not that at all. They were getting scored on, and they were not making big plays. Um if you look at average, uh, what was happening in terms uh, of everything on a per drive basis, uh, opponents were holding the ball, uh, the third most time, uh, in the league. So that's really bad. (laughs) And, uh, they allowed the fourth most points in the league. So, so much has to be done on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, you really kind of wonder what they're going to be doing, uh, Gruden is not a defensive-minded coach. He's more of an offensive-minded coach. Um, And so for a team that has so many needs defensively, you really kind of wonder where they're going to start. They're definitely going to have to uh, address positions in the draft. Uh, In the latest mock draft I have at Fantasy Labs, I have them going with a a defensive back, a cornerback in the first round. Uh, But they could easily go with a linebacker uh, if – one of the elite pass rushers makes it that far. Uh, they could go with a player like that to pair with Khalil Mack, uh, whom they will have to pay at some point. Like that, that big payday is coming. Um, so that is something to keep in mind. Um, but really, there are so many, so many holes uh, that a lot of the draft capital for the Raiders in the first few rounds will probably have to go to um to the defensive side of the ball it wouldn't be a bad idea i think uh for them at 10 there will be i I think there probably will be a pretty good player who drops to them at 10 it's just a question of whether it aligns with what they are looking for Uh, i don't think it would be a bad idea for them to trade out of the position if they could and acquire a little more draft capital because they're going to need uh, they're going to need multiple shots uh, at the defensive side of the ball within the first few rounds. And so if they can maybe trade down a little bit, uh, pick up a second or a third rounder, that could be something that uh, works out well for them. Um, Marshawn Lynch and Michael Crabtree, I will be very interested to see what happens with them. Um, I, I mean, I don't think it's a great idea to keep both of them in that uh, they are salaried veterans who cost a decent amount of money uh conceivably they are clubhouse leaders but they don't really bring all that much at this point um even if both of those players play as well as we could expect them to play within their you know reasonable range of outcomes that probably still won't help the raiders make the playoffs I think it would probably be best to, uh, you know, divest from the investments in those players 
and draft other guys. And part of that is because um, Marshawn Lynch is old anyway. He's going to be gone, I think, within a year. Might as well be this year and see if you can bring in. It's a good class for running backs. See if you can bring in a guy in the third round and the fourth round who can pair with the two running backs that they already have there. Uh, and then with Crabtree, I part of me wonders if, if Crabtree has hindered, and I hate to say this, but if he has hindered the development a little bit of Amari Cooper. Uh, but I think getting rid of Crabtree would really make clear that it is Amari Cooper's team. And they really do need to feed Amari Cooper. I know last year he was a massive disappointment, and that could result in a lot of value uh, in terms of just redraft leagues this year. Uh, in the dynasty market, um, people also might be willing to to part with him uh, cheaper than uh, than his net value probably is worth. Um, so he's someone, I, th- I think, in terms of just fantasy to keep an eye on. Um, but in terms of just raw football, last year, obviously, it was a bad year for Mari Cooper. Um, but he has started his career better than so many other wide receivers have. Um Given the injuries that he had last year and just uh, also the, the quarterbacking situation, Derek Carr really was not playing well. Um, I think you can overlook a lot of what happened with Amari Cooper last year. Um, very few guys start their careers with two you know, back-to-back thousand-yard campaigns, um, especially when they are that young. So if you take into account... Uh, his age, his draft position, his athleticism, and the production within his first two seasons. And even if you add in uh, the production from his third year, if you take all of that as a whole, you could still project someone who has a very good chance of being a top five wide receiver in the future. Uh, So offensively, if the Raiders can build a system around Amari Cooper, he's still just 23 I mean, he's not even 24 yet. Uh, If they can build a system around him, uh, that could be something that is very good for, you know, half a decade, uh, maybe more. You know, the the guys who enter the league at a young age and who have very good physical traits, they tend to age pretty well. So it is conceivable that Cooper could be a guy... uh, you know, who stays at not maybe not an elite level for a decade, but who could be still a strong producer for the team, you know, eight to 10 years from now. So the sooner they can really build the team around him, the better. It's interesting that on the one hand, Gruden has said um, that he wants to feed Cooper the ball. And on the other hand, and and so let me back up a second, feeding Cooper the ball is... um, it's the more kind of like analytically based, like numbers informed decision because he is the best player on the team. Uh, and throwing the ball is better than running the ball in general, just in terms of the type of production you can expect to get. That is what, you know, kind of quote unquote analytics would suggest. So on the one hand, Gruden says he wants to give Amari Cooper the ball and make the offense built around him. That's a very sort of analytically informed thing to do, even if Gruden's not doing it for analytical reasons. On the other hand, Gruden said that he's not a big fan of analytics, which is really interesting. Um, As someone, 
who has been out of the league for years, it seems that Gruden would be at a disadvantage, except that he has had the ability as you know the Monday night football guy to travel around the league, to interview people, to see how all of the organizations think, and how they go about building rosters, uh, constructing game plans. Uh, I mean, I, I think for someone who's been out of the game, he's been in probably the best position that anyone could be in. Uh, and, and so for him to have a kind of quote unquote, like anti-analytics perspective, uh, it, it's intriguing. And, and so I kind of don't know exactly where he will settle uh, in terms of who he wants to highlight within the offense, the types of decisions that they make, uh, whether they go pass heavy or run heavy. Um, but I, I think for the Raiders to have the most success that they possibly can have, they will have to be very focused on Amari Cooper. Um, Derek Carr is an interesting. He's an he's in an interesting position. He's entering the fifth year of uh, of his contract. Um, actually, let me rephrase that: not of his contract, but his his fifth year in the league. Um, if he doesn't do well, he will be a guy who's at that point, you know, like been in the league for half a decade and Gruden would have just had a negative experience with him in his first year back with the team. Although Carr is a promising guy, he's never thrown for even 4,000 yards in a season. Um, and it's not as if there's anything magical about 4,000 yards, but that's like a pretty established benchmark. Um, it's, it's hard to think of a guy as being a franchise quarterback when he's never hit 4,000 yards in a season. Um, and ultimately, I don't think it's right, but quarterbacks tend to be judged on whether they lead teams that win or lose. And, and so uh, <laughs> Derek Carr doesn't really have going for him the fact that he's on the Raiders because it seems as if there's a decent chance they're going to lose more games than they win this year. So if he's on a team that's losing games and he's not performing, what does he really have going for him that's going to entice John Gruden? Uh, probably very little. Uh, at that point, he's going to be, I mean, he's almost 27. I'm recording this in mid-March. At the end of March, he turns 27. So he will be a guy at that point going into his age 28 season. So I guess I'm saying big picture, there is uh, kind of from a, a fantasy perspective, especially a dynasty perspective, I don't think there's much upside with Derek Carr, and there is a decent amount of downside with him. Um, he he could be entering a portion of his career that turns into like the beginning of the end. So... Uh, something to keep an eye on with him. I think if you could get rid of him, trading him somehow, uh, throwing him in kind of a, a package deal, that's probably a, a decent way to go because I, I don't know if there's a lot of upside with him. Eventually, I could see Gruden bringing in his own guy. Um, maybe not this draft, but uh, but eventually. So that's going to do it for this Raiders-focused special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Be sure to check out the episodes for all the other teams on Rotoviz in the podcast feed. I'm Matt Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle. Thanks for tuning in.
Thank you for listening to this special edition of Rotoviz Radio, the flagship Rotoviz podcast. Special thanks to Hassan Rahim, the producer for this episode, and to Colin Kelly, the assistant executive producer for the podcast channel. Please review the show on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Johnny got a toy golf set when he was three, and from that day on, he was hooked. All he wanted to do was golf, golf, golf. He'd be on the links before school, after school. All he ever wanted was to go pro. And then, one day, when he was holding his grandson and thinking about his 12 handicap, Johnny realized it just might not happen for him. But you know what did happen for him? He switched to Geico and saved a bunch of money on car insurance. So that was good, and so was hanging out with his grandson. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz summer event, like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz summer event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.